Hi, everyone. Hope you're having a good night. Welcome to my podcast. This is Fallen Angels in memory of children who have been murdered or abused to death. And we want to bring their stories back to light and not let people forget them. And hopefully one day we won't have any more of them to tell. And I decided that tonight would be a good start to start out with Amber Hagerman and Anga, or sorry, Megan Kanka. They are the two girls that where the Amber Alert and Megan's Law came from. First, we'll talk about Amber. Her birthday was actually just November 25th, so happy late birthday, Amber. Amber was a nine-year-old girl when she passed away. Her parents had been separated and her mother went back to school and was trying to take care of her children on her own. In November 1995, there was actually a segment done on a local TV station where Amber was interviewed and showed that she was on the honor roll and how well they were doing. And now we will skip forward to the day where everything happened. It was January 13th, around 3 p.m., and Donna Norris and her two children, Amber and Ricky, went to go visit their grandparents, her parents, in Arlington, Texas. About 10 minutes after they got there, Amber and her brother asked if they could go ride their bikes around the block. Their mother said yes and told them to stay together and come right back. Amber said, okay, I love you, and they both rode their bikes away. Well, they went to the Winn-Dixie. It was actually closed down, so it was an abandoned grocery store parking lot to ride up and down the loading ramp in the back. Well, Ricky decided that he wanted to go home because he didn't want to get in trouble and Amber didn't want to leave, so she stayed. When Ricky arrived home, his grandfather told him to go back and get her. When he arrived there, he did not see her, so he returned home and he told his grandfather that she was no longer there. His grandfather jumped into his truck and their mother started on her feet to go that direction to find Amber. When they got there, there were already police there and they informed them that while Ricky was gone, A 78-year-old man, Jim Kevill, was in his backyard and he had seen Amber riding her bike by herself. And then a few minutes later, he heard some screams and he witnessed a man in a dark-colored truck, either white or Hispanic from 25 to 40 years old, force Amber into this truck. He took her off her bike and she was kicking and screaming for her life, but she was unable to fight off a grown man. They looked tirelessly for three days and on the fourth day around midnight, A man walking his dog behind the Forest Ridge Apartments along a creek bed discovered Amber's nude, deceased body. She had been mutilated, raped, beaten. It was horrible. Her throat was cut so deep that she was actually decapitated. Well, that's just horrifying. I can't even believe somebody would do that. But that's what happened. And they think that her body, she was actually killed on the 15th. So she was taken on the 13th. They think she was killed on the 15th and her body was not found until the 17th. So that's a few days there. And because of this, you know, the people in the neighborhood, her mother, they all thought that if, you know, they could get this out there, this information out there quicker to people that, they could save children because Amber's body was less than five miles away from her home. A woman called into a local radio station suggesting that if they can get weather alerts immediately on time to people in real life, then why could we not do the same for missing children? And the Amber Alert was formed and born. And I believe it was 
2003 that President George W. Bush signed the Amber Alert into effect. All right, well, now we will go on to Megan Kanka. Megan Kanka of Megan's Law was a seven-year-old girl who was brutally raped and sodomized and strangled by a neighbor who lived across the street from her and her body disposed of in a local park. Now, nobody was aware that this man was a sex offender, that he had been living there. He had already been charged twice and served six years in a detention facility for aggravated rape on a seven-year-old girl. His other charge was a five-year-old girl. So on this day, Megan asked her mother if she could go and ask a friend to play, go across the street and ask her friend if she wanted to play. And her mother said, yes, no problem. And so she went about her way. It was July 29th, 1994, and she crossed the street to go see her friend. And somewhere in between that time, this man, he lured her away to see a puppy. He told her he had a new brand new puppy and she could hold it and pet it, just come with him. And she's a little girl who loved puppies, so she did this. And obviously it did not turn out very well. He brutally raped, sodomized, and strangled her before disposing of her in the park. He was so horrible to her that he actually placed a plastic bag around her neck and secured it tight with a belt so that she could not breathe. And after he was finished with his sick game, seven-year-old Megan's body was thrown away like trash at Mercer County Park. The next day, Jesse confessed to police. The man's name was Jesse. He confessed to the police and led them to her remains. It turned out the neighbor, Jesse, had been living across the street from Megan, and nobody had known about it, and nobody had known about his previous sexual assaults. He had a long, long, long history of raping girls, attempted raping girls, and here's Megan's mother thought, you know, if I would have known these things, I would have watched her, I could have prevented this from happening because I would have known that there was a monster right there and I would have also had the choice or chance to leave the area if I did not want to be there anymore but no there was nothing like that going on then and sadly this ended up being the end of Megan's life and her mother just could not handle that she wasn't going to sit back and take this so she started Megan's Law and she made it come to life. And Megan's Law will inform people of their neighbors. If there is a dangerous sexual predator preying on children in your neighborhood and there are tears to it. There are low level offenders and the higher level offenders, they will come and actually knock on your door and inform you of which house and what had happened so that you know. And that is the law now. They must do these things and these sex offenders must keep in contact and they must share their whereabouts at all times. Otherwise, it is a violation of their probation or their chances of being out of jail. So this, I believe, has also saved lots of children because people Awareness, if you're not aware of something, I mean, we all are aware of our, that there are dangers out there, but 
you know there are lions out there somewhere, but you don't know there's a lion living across the street. So you're going to take way less risks if that lion is across the street from you or possibly move so that you don't have to take these risks than if there are just lions out there in the world, right? Okay, I hope everybody understands that. And I just, I feel for these parents. I don't know what I would do if one of these things happened to my children. I would just, I don't know what I would do. And so my goal is to not let any of these children's stories just die out, not let them just be forgotten about because they were so long ago. There are children dying every day, not just from neighbors, not just from abductions, from their own parents. And us as a society need to say, no, that's enough, and do everything we can to save our children and keep them safe. Thank you very much. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast tonight. And my name, I did not tell you, by the way, my name is Teresa, and this is Fallen Angels. Thank you. Have a good night.